0: your Bibles, take them if you would to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to find our way to verse 8 in just a minute. You know, there's a saying that it's all about who you know. And you think about it, there's some truth to that. That all of us have have had opportunities presented to us and have had circumstances take place in our life based upon the connections that we have with people because of who we know. Um, Probably some significant things have happened in your life because of a connection that you had, because of... Who, you know, some of you, you know, the, the, the negative part of that is, is that uh, we look at people who advance in the workplace sometimes and say, well, it's just about who they know. You know, it wasn't about their hard work. It wasn't about their, their ethic or anything like It's just the, the connections that they had that got them to where that, that, that they are. And like it or not, it's just true that who we know oftentimes creates opportunities for us and does certain things. For, I mean, think about my life. I met my wife because of someone I knew. I would not have met her if I hadn't first known some another guy uh, that introduced me to my wife. It was about knowing him that led to knowing her. I wouldn't be here at First Baptist Charlotte as your pastor if I hadn't known somebody, if somebody didn't know me. Because I didn't know any of you and didn't know anything about Charlotte and didn't know anything about First Baptist. It was through that connection of relationship that, that created the opportunity. And so on and so forth. You probably have some great experiences, some maybe not so great experiences about who you know. It's all about who you know, and it's not just all about who you know, it's about what you know. What we know is very important. Most of you who have been in a career for some time throughout your time there, as you've advanced, as you've grown, as you've been there longer, you know more about it today than you did when you started. Some of you, the older you get, you, you just flat out know more. In fact, the Older you get, oftentimes, the more you know you don't know. But you still know that as well. And so it's about who you know. It's about what you know. This morning in Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about the one person that he knows that has made all the difference in his life. He focuses on about knowing Christ. And Paul was sold out to the journey of knowing Christ more in his life. In fact, Paul would give up everything he could just to know Christ more. That that relationship, that connection, that relationship that he had with Jesus and knowing Jesus more and knowing about, more about Jesus and walking closer with Jesus meant more to Paul than anything else in his life. And I think this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8, I'm hoping to convince you, to convince myself as well, why, knowing Christ is far greater than knowing anyone or anything else. Why, knowing Christ is worth forsaking and putting aside anything in my life that would hesitate and prevent me from knowing him more. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Would you stand in honor of God's word? We're going to read to it through verse 11. This morning. Now, as we come to verse 8, I want to back up to verse 7, just to remind you of what Paul began as he ended the section before this. Listen to what he says in verse 7 But whatever gain I had, I counted everything. I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish Paul continues the thought that he began in verse 7 here in verse 8 when he says, I counted everything as a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Paul had lost a lot in his life. In fact, some would argue that he lost more than he gained. He lost more freedom. He lost more ability. Here he is, a man that had power and prestige at one time, laid up in a prison now. His health is getting upon him. He doesn't know if he's ever going to get out. It's likely two things that he faces. One is a trial or one is just death. And it could be that the trial also leads to death. Paul's at the end of the road. Paul's lost so much in his journey to know Christ more. Now, the cool thing for him, though, is that he felt like it was worth it. That all that he lost didn't match up to the worth of what he gained in knowing Christ. Paul would be willing to lose more. Paul would do anything he can to to, to deplete his bank account of life so that he could gain and understand Christ more and be closer with Christ and have a deeper walk with him and go deeper in that journey with him. It was worth it to the Apostle Paul, but it did cost him. Now listen... Coming to know Christ through faith doesn't cost us anything. It costs Jesus everything. Jesus paid everything. He did everything so that we could receive this gift of salvation to know Christ. So that we could come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. That doesn't cost us anything. We get that for free. You didn't put any effort into it. You can't put any effort into it. It's free. But the journey of knowing Jesus... The walk with Christ does cost us. Jesus describes this cost. He says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Jesus also told a story, used an illustration in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, about the kingdom of heaven, about growing and walking with Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, he covered it up, and in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. And then he tells another story. Again, it's like the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and got it. I don't know where we've gotten the idea that when you give your life to Christ, everything goes up. That your bank account goes up, your freedom goes up, your your happiness goes up. Everything just starts to work out. There's no issues. There's no problems. You're going to have more. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. You're going to live the blessed life. Yeah, you are blessed. But salvation is the gift. And the journey of knowing Jesus more is an exchange. His life for ours. To give up trust in ourselves Trust in this world, trust in our flesh and everything to trust him and know him more. The deeper that we go in the journey, the more gain we have in Christ, the more give we have in our lives. And Paul was fine with that. In fact, he's like, all this stuff that I had, everything that I attained, everything that, that, that was anything but Christ, Like I, I count that as rubbish, as trash, as filth, as the garbage. It's worth going in the can, going out the street. I'll, I'll be glad to give up anything in my life so that I can go deeper, I can walk more, I can know more of this Christ. He's that Good. He's that worth it. The closeness in the journey, what I get in knowing him, is far more worthy than anything else that this world could offer. Anything this else that I could attain. Knowing Christ more. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. My Lord, why was it that Paul looked at Christ as his richest treasure? Why was it that Paul looked at it as a fine pearl, worth losing everything and selling everything to give up to? Why was it that he he looked at him as as treasure in a field, willing to, to give up and end up life in a prison for the sake of knowing Christ? What is it so good about knowing Christ? Like it's awesome to be saved. But what's so good about willing to go deep, to press in, to press on, in knowing and understanding and experiencing Christ more in our life, in walking, what's so good about it? Well, Paul shares a few insights here of what makes Christ the richest treasure and worth knowing more, what we gain in Christ. One of the first things we see here is that in Christ— We gain knowledge. We gain knowledge. He says this, I I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In fact, for his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. When we gain Christ, when we come to know Christ, we are given knowledge. Now first of all, we're given knowledge of salvation. I mean, that's clear. That when you come to know the way, the truth, and the life Jesus, all of a sudden, your eyes are open into the way of salvation. You you know him and you now have knowledge for salvation. You hear the message of the truth of Jesus, it enters your ears, goes through your head and into your heart by faith. John said in 1 John chapter 5 verse 12, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. God gives us that. When you know Christ, He opens your mind up. He opens your eyes up, which opens your minds up, which opens your heart up to see the way of salvation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, "...for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's about who you know. And knowing Christ, knowing who he is, believing who he is, gives us salvation. That salvation opens our eyes up to a brand new world. That salvation gives us a knowledge of the world and the way things are in a way we've never seen it before. It gives us understanding of so much we didn't have before. One of those things that it gives us understanding is it helps us to see and realize, it gives us a knowledge of love that we never had before. Because in salvation, when you realize, you see, your eyes are open to what real love is. Because now you know love, you know God who is love, who invented love, who wrote love, who authored love, who demonstrated the greatest love that there ever was. And now we all of a sudden come to a knowledge of what real love, this everlasting, this agape, this unconditional, unending love that he gives to us. We didn't know love before. We're, we're able to see that from a new life. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, to, and to know the love of Christ, verse 20, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. This world doesn't know love. What we have in this world is a caricature, is a cartoon of what we think love is. But when we come to know Jesus and are saved, all of a sudden our life and eyes are opened up to what real love is. And we have the ability then to do that real love. But we also see not just love and God and salvation, we gain a knowledge of ourselves. That we didn't have before. Paul Paul says here the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. I've suffered the loss of all things in order that I may gain Christ. And then in verse 9, and be found in him. Paul's knowledge of Jesus and knowing Jesus more gave him a deeper understanding of himself. The more you know Jesus, the more you understand who you are. Because when you know Jesus, at the moment of your salvation, all that you are is now wrapped up in Him. Your identity is now linked in Him. And you learn all the sorts of all sorts of things. Putting your life in. Self up to Jesus Christ and seeing who he is makes you realize you're not worthy. Makes you realize that you're fallen, you're broken, you can't save yourself. Seeing what he's done for us makes you realize the value that God has upon you, that God really loves you, that that he made you in his image, and that he pursued you with his love and pursued you with his son. There's a new identity that you have, a new value and worth to yourself when you understand who you are in Christ. And now it marks you, it labels you. It's who you are. This is what what Jesus said. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my own know me. You're his. Your identity is wrapped up in who he is. Jesus also said in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. It's he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. be found in him. You see, Paul realizes that this knowing Christ helped him understand really the value of who he was. His identity is completely linked to Jesus. You know, we live in a world that is searching for who you are, discovering you, figuring yourself out, self-discovery. We trace back our roots and we trace back our heritage and we, we do personality tests and we look at ourselves and, and what makes us unique, what makes us special, what makes us beautiful. The world jumps in on that. Man, they're eager to jump on that, to tell you why you're valuable, why you're special, why why you're unique. But in Jesus... the value that the world places on people, which by the way isn't much these days, is diminished. Because the value that is found in Jesus in you is incredible. No longer are you just a white man, or a black man, or a rich man, or a poor man, or a successful man, or an unsuccessful person. No longer are you identified by what family you came from, what your last name is, where you grew up, what you've done, what you haven't done. No longer are you defined by your past. No longer are you labeled by all the labels the world places upon you as success or failure, short or tall, fat or skinny, pretty, beautiful, beautiful, ugly you're Christ adopted into his family and given his identity see when you gain Christ the more you know him the more you know it wasn't just that Paul also found that it wasn't just knowledge that he had, it was also righteousness that he had. Notice what he says here, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends upon faith. This goes This goes into Paul's understanding of his standing before God. Now Paul spot, spends a lot of time talking about the righteousness given to us through Jesus Christ, as the righteousness imputed upon, upon us by the righteousness of Christ. That we are judged according to his righteousness, not according to our Righteousness, which we know, Jesus Christ. And that whether I live up, measure up, match up, Jesus did all that for me and gave me that righteousness, I'm accepted by Him. I receive that by faith. It's not something I earn, it's something I'm given. It's not something I add to, it's something that He paid complete. Nothing I bring to the table will ever get me any closer to God or pull me further away from God. Only Jesus and His righteousness is all I need. Romans talks about this, Galatians talks about this. There's Jesus and Jesus enough. He's my standing before God. He's my righteousness before God. And the cool thing about it is the more that I know Jesus, this righteous standing and this righteous, this righteousness that I possess, the more I know Jesus, the more that righteousness is lived out through my life, the more I start looking like Jesus and acting like Jesus and talking like Jesus. That righteousness comes in me and then it begins to come through me not having a righteousness of my own. So he gained righteousness. This is why Christ was worth knowing, because of the knowledge that he had, because of the righteousness. But then look at this, the power. One of the reasons why Christ is worth knowing more than anything else and anyone else is because of the power that there is in him. Verse 10, that I may know him. And in knowing him, know the power of his resurrection. The more that Paul knew Christ, the deeper he journeyed and walked with Jesus, the more he knew of the power of Christ and specifically the power of the resurrection. Why is it that Paul wants to know the power of the resurrection? Well, because the resurrection was the greatest demonstration of Power that's ever been displayed. And it's the only demonstration of power that's eternal. There's nothing like it. Paul knew the resurrection. And you know the resurrection if you know Jesus. When you know Jesus, there are two ways that you know the resurrection that you understand and that the power of the resurrection takes place in you. The first way is at the moment of salvation. When we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord, at the moment of salvation, the power of the resurrection works in our life. We call this the newness of life. Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 6. We are buried with Christ in his death, and we raised to Christ to walk in new life. It's as if we've experienced resurrection power in our salvation everyone who comes to Christ in a spiritual sense dies with Christ at the moment of your knowing Christ surrendering your life to him you die the old man is slaughtered and killed and a new man spiritually is risen in you you're born again There's a raising of the dead. That happens at the moment of salvation. That's the resurrection power of Christ. We die with Christ. We rise again with Christ. That's what baptism celebrates. Out with the old, up with the new. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. That's the resurrection power that we all experience at the moment of salvation when we give our life to Christ. And thank goodness for that. But I think Paul means more than that because Paul's asking more. Paul's seeking more to know this power of the resurrection. See, he understands, and I think we need to understand that we experience the resurrection power at salvation, but listen, the resurrection power isn't just a thing for our salvation, it's a resource for our lives. That the power of the resurrection is something that we can experience every day and every moment of our lives. Paul talks about this many times in the epistles, this power. It's the power that he calls upon and that he desires to conquer temptation. It's the power that he has for service to Christ. It's the power to overcome trials that makes him strong when he's weak. It's the power for his witnessing and his boldness. Paul wanted to be strengthened by the Spirit in the inner man. He wanted to know, as he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, the great might of Christ. He wanted the expression of that power of which he spoke in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, now unto him who is able to exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. What is that power? That power is the resurrection power of Christ that is available as a resource to you and I every day of our lives. And the more that we press in, the more that we know Him, the more that the power of that resurrection is lived out in our lives. Because Christ is power, and He gives us power over sin, power in temptation, power for service, power to witness, power through our trials, power in my otherwise impotent, broken, weak me. That's why Paul says, I count everything a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Because the more I know Christ, any power I had, any gain I had, anything I did, man, is worthless when it comes to the incredible resurrection power of Christ through me. Because listen, money and drugs and pills could not get me through my trial, but Jesus' power can. And I can't overcome this tempting sin by myself. But the power of Jesus' resurrection can. And I can't be what I need to be. Like, I can't, I can't be nice. But the power of Jesus' resurrection can make me. Practically put, I can't make my right foot get saved because I keep speeding. Does this make sense? Are you rocking with me now? But the power of Christ's resurrection can do something to that. It's practical. It's a resource in our life today to the believing soul. The power of the life of Christ pours into us. It rises out of us to give us victory in this life. Why would you want something else? What could be better than that? It's the only way we can conquer sin. It's the only way we can have an effective, purpose filled life. So, in knowing Christ, Paul gained knowledge. He gained righteousness. He gained power. And so do you. Look at this next thing he gained fellowship. Now, this is where it gets real, and this is where it gets personal. That I may know him, verse 10, the power of his resurrection. And then he says, and share his sufferings. Or fellowship in his sufferings. What does Paul mean by that? Well, in the saving sense, I think Paul and all of us seem to understand that, that we do share in the suffering of Christ at the cross. That when we believe in Christ, we are buried with him. And we are risen to walk. We've already fellowshiped in the suffering of Christ in a saving way. We die as he died. Now the difference is he died upon our cross. The pain, the agony, the actual physical death of that he experienced for us. But in saving he brings us along and we spiritually die as well and we're risen again. Somehow, when you're saved, supernaturally, God puts you in Christ, and you die in Christ, and you rise with him. That's what you experience. that kind of suffering, to share in the suffering of Christ. He bears it all. He carries it all. And to share in that means that he shares the victory of that with us, the effects of that suffering with us. He did the suffering. It was our suffering he took upon himself. He fellowshiped with us in that. He came and he took the suffering of sin upon himself. And now he shares with us the victory of what his death and resurrection brought as a result. I think Paul here means something more. Yes, he means I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm here in a prison. I'm going to die. And I'm okay with that. Because there's a fellowship, there's a sharing, there's a deep communion in my suffering with Him. I think what Paul means here by this fellowship is that one of the things that I gain in Christ in knowing Him, is I gain somebody to fellowship with me when I suffer. Somebody to walk with me when I suffer. Somebody who has suffered far beyond any suffering that I will ever know. Far beyond any suffering I will ever feel or experience. I have now a companion in my suffering. Any Christian on planet Earth can tell you that one of the deepest moments of spiritual fellowship with the living Christ are the direct results of intense suffering. That when we walk through those difficult moments, those dark moments... And in those dark moments, turn to him, press into him. Something special happens that we couldn't have gotten outside of those moments. There is an intimacy and there's a closeness. When King Jesus comes to walk alongside you and picks you up and lets you beat his chest and lets you shed his tears, your tears on him. And as the great comforter grabs hold of you and shakes you up, and reminds you of the hope, and reminds you of the promise, and reminds you of the way through, as, as he guides you through it, as he begins to show you things that you didn't see before, that you didn't realize before. You didn't know the mercy of God. You didn't know the grace of God. You didn't know the goodness of God. Until you were in that dark, deep, ugly moment, and by faith you pressed into knowing him more. And anyone who's been through anything like that will tell you, at the end of the day, yeah, it's stuck. Gosh, so grateful for what I gained through him. Because in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering, listen to this, we have a sympathetic, merciful high priest who cares, a friend who feels our pain, who is at all points tempted as we were, who knows our weakness and knows our infirmities and is walking with us because he's been there and done that he knows what it feels like to be rejected he knows what it feels like to be mocked and despised and hated and killed he knows what it looks like and feels like to lose someone the father knows what it looks like and feels like to lose even a child there's not a thing That this high priest, this king, this Jesus doesn't get, doesn't understand on a level way deeper than we could ever understand it. And he joins us in that. So as Paul was here in a prison, by himself, guard after guard, chained up, yeah, sometimes the church brothers would come in. Timothy was there a little bit. Mark was there a little bit. Luke was there a little bit. Others came in. But there were nights... And there were days after years of Paul growing older, of going slower, of getting sicker, and he's by himself. But Paul didn't see it that way. He wasn't by himself. There was a fellowship he had there in that prison cell. It helped him realize that when I'm weak, I go to Christ, and he makes me strong because his grace is sufficient hey we live in a we live in a sad world don't we we live in a hard world i don't mean to be the bearer of bad news but this is a broken world and you know what's living in this broken world you and me and everybody else and you know what we are we're broken So, you got a broken world full of broken people. Guess what a broken world full of broken people does? It breaks. It's not a matter of if it will break, it's a matter of when it will break and how bad the breaking will be. And aren't you glad for that good news this morning? That you're broken, your world's broken, and your world's gonna break with your broken self. Merry Christmas. Thanks, pastor. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So you're telling me I'm going to break. Yeah, you are. And it's going to hurt. It, it, it happens to all of us. We're, we're not immune to it. What do you turn to when that happens? So many people turn to a bottle, to a pill, to a psychiatrist, or to the mall. But if we know Christ, we have him to journey and fellowship through our sufferings, to share in our suffering, to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death, the good shepherd. You want real comfort? You want real partnership? You want to find somebody that feels what you feel? You go to Christ. That's the fellowship. That's the sharing of suffering. So press in to him in those moments. Press in to know him more. Because he's got what you need. It was worth it for him to lose everything so that he could know Christ more. Christ was his richest treasure in knowledge and righteousness and power and fellowship. And one more thing. One more thing. I, I would hate to miss this one. I would, I'm so glad Paul mentions it because this is the best thing. Notice what he says here in verse 11. That if any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Now Paul said before this, that, like, I'm, I'm going to become like him in his death. Like, I'm gonna, we're going to walk through this. I'm going to die for Christ. I know that's the case. But I also want this, to, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Now, by any means possible. Paul's not just saying that, like, I don't know how this is going to happen. No, Paul's just saying, I don't really understand how it's going to happen. Because I am going to attain the resurrection of the dead. I don't know how God's going to do it, but, but he's going to raise me from the dead. Now, you see, I thought we already talked about that, the resurrection power. Yeah, spiritually speaking, you've already experienced the resurrection power. You're new on the inside. Your spirit is new. Your inward man is new, but your physical man ain't. What do you mean? You're not not new. Some of you are really old. And one day this really old man, this this broken man, will die physically. Listen, Christ's resurrection wasn't just a spiritual resurrection. It was a physical resurrection. The body got up. What Paul is saying is, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't quite get it all. This is kind of the mystery of the faith. So it's somehow, way, man, I'm going to experience the resurrection of the man, of the physical man. And you and I, in knowing Christ, are going to experience that physical resurrection where you get a new physical body. What is he talking about here? He's talking about the old, the old South religious word, glory. Heaven. I'm going there where everything is new. And he gives that to me. Heaven. Heaven. By the way, heaven is worth knowing Christ for and pressing in. And in this resurrection body, in this this glory that we get one day, this promise fulfilled to us in heaven, do you know what it's all about? It's all about really knowing Christ. You're going to know him. In a way you've never heaven is the ultimate press in to Jesus. Now sometimes when we think about heaven, we think about all the cool things that we're gonna get to do in heaven. You know, you talk about your mansion, what's your mansion gonna look like, man? I want my mansion to be this, I want it to be on a golf course. I'm gonna play some heavenly golf in heaven. I can't wait. I mean, heaven's like a retirement for us. Like finally we can we can just relax and sit back on the beach of heaven and just enjoy that. Or I'm gonna go fishing in heaven or I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm Heaven's going to have the greatest mall ever, ladies. Like retail therapy for eternity. Heaven's going to be so sweet there. <laughs> listen, think about those things. Heaven's, by the way, heaven's not going to have any of that. I'm sorry to be another Debbie Downer to you this morning. <laughs> because why do you need to go to the golf course? You need to go to the golf course to get away from this messed up world, to just get a break. Why do you need to go fishing? Because listen, life is tough. Why do you need retail therapy? Because you need therapy And you're too cheap To go to get a therapist And why do you need a therapist Because we live in a broken world Like all these things That we hope heaven will be Is all because we just long for more of it Because we live in a broken world But listen Heaven's not broken And in heaven when you have this resurrection body You're not broken anymore You don't need all that We don't need any of that. We don't need a mansion in heaven. Nobody says we're actually getting a mansion in heaven. That's not actually in the Bible. You get a home. Nobody said it's gonna be a mansion on a hilltop. You get heaven. And what makes heaven so sweet is this, Revelation chapter 22, all right? I don't want to burst your bubble. I just want to show you how sweet knowing Jesus is. Revelation chapter 22, verse 3. No longer will there be anything accursed, praise God, because there's nothing but accursed garbage in this world. And what wasn't accursed, we accursed it. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and His servants will worship Him. Look at this, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more and we'll need no light of lamp for sun or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. They will see his face. Heaven's the ultimate press in because finally we get to see him. We get to see the man who's walked with us through every valley and every pit. We get to see the man that came down to the pits of hell to save our wicked souls. We get to see the man that encouraged us and comforted us and covered us with his blood and covered us with his love. We get to see this man that we had faith in, that we trusted him, that we walked with, that we journeyed, that we opened our Bibles to to discover who he was and to know him more and we pressed in and we pressed in and finally in heaven, we get to gaze upon him. We get to see what he looks like. We're marked by him. His name's on our foreheads. Can't be more in our heads who he is. We can't know him more than at that moment. See, Paul was on this pursuit to know Christ because there's nothing like knowing Christ. And Paul would give up anything and everything to know him more. What about you? What about me? I'm sorry to say, but sometimes in my own life, there are more pursuits, there are pursuits that I pursue harder than knowing Him. That I want to know other things more. That I consider the worth of other things over the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. What are you pursuing more than Him? Why aren't you pursuing Him? There's nothing like Him. So press in.